Thank you for joining us. We are Twin Cities Carry, and this is the Twin Cities Carry Live Show. We are a firearms training company based in Minnesota. We do permit to carry, basic firearms training, DNR Hunters Education, advanced carry courses, and much more. Joining me tonight, as always, is Jim and AJ. Hey, guys. Tonight, we're going to be talking about Jack Wilson, no charges, McCluskey's, charges, ammunition, uh, prices. Do you really need mm -hmm. that kidney? I mean, you got to. Uh, and we're going to be talking about what we ourselves do to practice both and both on and off the range, especially during the great ammo shortage of 2020. All right. Jumping into it. It's been a couple weeks. Hopefully the audio is coming through well for everybody. So Jack Wilson. I think we're very familiar with, with Jack Wilson and what happened. Uh, for those of you who may not be, uh, you'll want to look up White Settlement Church shooting. Um, if you don't know who I'm talking about, find the video. It is hugely important you understand how fast things happened. Um, I'm pretty sure we have a breakdown of it on our YouTube page, so check that out. Uh, Jim, you're pretty familiar. You want to give a quick synopsis of the shooting? Well, yeah, I mean, just from the idea of, you know, we, we all talk about continuing your training and things like that. And, and some of it doesn't have to be paid for. I got a lot out of just watching that video for a couple hours each night for a couple of nights, just watching all of the different characters. But the whole idea was a bad guy walked into a church, took a couple of shots, and then a good guy, Jack Wilson, from about 50 feet away was able to take him out. And like you say, it was just incredibly fast the the third shot which was jack wilson's shot was literally in time with the first two that the bad guy had taken so it almost sounded like they had been from the same gun but i mean a matter of two seconds and all the shooting was over but uh you know the the knowledge that can be gleaned from watching it is is pretty incredible but you know i i've i've seen videos of a lot of shootings i've read stories about a lot of this is darn near the cleanest, most absolutely clear-cut case of defensive shooting I've ever seen. And it still went to the grand jury to see if he should be charged with a crime. Well, I was gonna After he'd been given an, an award by the governor. I was going to say, the grand jury ultimately did agree. I mean, there's no charges. Uh, specifically, also, the, the prosecutor, Tim Rogers of Tarrant County uh, District's Attorney Office, explained that and I love this wording, Mr. Wilson shot his firearm to take out a threat that was endangering other lives. He did it responsibly, and he is absolutely justified in doing that under Texas law. Well, then why did he waste taxpayer money and send it to the grand jury? Because we live in interesting times. But, I mean, the whole the point of all of that is if you don't think that there's a chance that you're going to get handcuffed and detained and taken to the station and interrogated and kept for hours if not days at a minimum like i said this was this is potentially the cleanest most clear-cut defensive shooting case i've ever seen and while i don't know that jack was ever detained i mean he was under threat of charges for what almost a year yeah can you imagine living like that that hanging over your head yeah not okay no he, he's an interesting guy, too. Um, former NRA instructor. Uh, I believe he previously owned his own range. Uh, he was a member of the church security team. And I, I didn't know this until I was researching this today. He is currently running for a county commissioner seat in uh, Hood County. And I was thinking about it. I'm like, I, I got to imagine, like, he's a shoe in for that seat, right? Like, now he is. I mean, <laughs> you kind of have to be. I hate to, to fall back on, uh, you know, the Texas cliche, but, I mean, everybody came out right away with that shooting, and they were, governor, everybody else was right on board. Um, you know, it, it helps that there was very clear-cut and definitive uh, video footage. Now, unfortunately, it was live-streamed out to everybody watching the church service. The, uh, 
Oh, the, the one we have up next is... Man, I never thought about that portion right? of it. Can you imagine sitting at home watching that on... on what do they call it? Live Barn or whatever those streaming services right, are for right. churches and and you're watching that? Wow. I didn't I never considered that. I mean Well uh, I just assumed it was security footage, not streaming footage. No, that was uh that was absolutely live stream. Um if you yeah. remember the the New Zealand shooting, um at the God, I don't wanna butcher it, uh I believe it was a mosque can't remember the name of it but that also I, I was live streamed but that was live streamed by the shooter uh it seems to be it makes sense right the rest of our lives are on on film on video well, i mean we see that in class assume you're being recorded always always so all right you know there's a lot of takeaways from that shooting there that you can kind of break down down into different sections is one that's pretty amazing as a whole. Um, you know, mentally, you could break down how you would react in that scenario or how you think you would react and kind of play it out in your head, what you would do, what you wouldn't do. Um, you can you can practice the timing of that scenario in your, you know, at home, in the range. Uh, and then obviously in a crowd, the distance and the speed, you know, the this is a great learning tool and I know Jim really kind of took this one to heart and uh, you know just kind of put himself against the benchmark and see where he landed and I think that's great and I think we as permit carry holders uh, and citizens should do that kind of self-evaluation in comparison to a real world scenario and obviously like I said you can break it down to individual individual components kind of benchmark yourself against that obviously you can never fully put yourself in the scenario itself as a fair comparison but I love the fact that you can take a lot out of this one scenario luckily it, it turned out in a better way than it could have and uh, I think I think people should focus on these kinds of scenarios more often as a citizen and, and study these things and find out what they can do better just like well Jim did for instance Jim ultimately ended up changing his carry piece because of it. You had a lot of consternation. You went through a lot of firearms and a lot of practice a similar scenario. Uh, and I know for a fact, as a person who carries 95% plus percent of the time, that deciding to change what you carry on a daily basis is a big decision. Yeah. Uh... You know, you said it's it's good thing that uh, it turned out somewhat better. It, it's important to remember two people still died uh, from uh, gunshot yeah, wounds. Obviously, this wasn't best case scenario. Best case would have been scenario stopping him before anything happened. Any shots? Were fired, I was just gonna say it was two seconds. I mean, two three seconds maybe, and unfortunately, two people still died, and he took out that. But as a reactionary force, I think this is best case scenario. Yes. Yeah, and, and you know, I was I was trying to decide how much of what do I talk about is now versus how much what do I talk about is is when we get to the idea of, of how we individually train. But you know, one of the things I took away from it is my best case scenario in that situation is probably at least one more good guy dies before I can get that shot off, and then I'm not convinced it would be a hit. I think the probability would be pretty darn good, you know, eighty ninety percent. But I mean. Fewer people died because Jack there was there than, than if I had been, I think. And I don't think I'm that bad. But he was just, he was the best case scenario. Yeah. And uh, thankfully the grand jury did come to the right decision. I mean, that's kind of being there to protect other people. Um, you know, whatever your motives for carrying, mine is my family. Um, his was to protect his congregation. I mean, that's, that's why you carry. I mean, you don't ever want to have to, but that's why he was part of the church security team. That's why he he did the things he did. Uh, yeah, I mean, you could compare what he did to, to, you know, what we would do in the same situation, too, from the standpoint of realistically, as far away as he was, you know, the, the, the reaction might have been, it's time for me to leave. But he was part of the church security team. He had agreed to assume a little more personal risk 
on behalf of the congregation. So he didn't turn and run. He, uh, he, he, you know, addressed the threat and thankfully managed to take care of it pretty darn quickly. Cool. All right. So that's a fun, good, happy story. And now we get to talk about a one that is weird. The McCluskeys. Uh, Mark and Patricia, or you might have heard them referred to as Ken and Karen. I'm guilty of that. Uh, St. Louis couple. I can't, I can't ever remember Mark and Patricia, but I can remember <laughs> Ken and Karen. Ken, That's my problem. Ken and Karen works. <laughs> uh, all right. So they were the St. Louis couple who defended their home with firearms after a mostly peaceful protest. Uh, decided to break down their gate, trespass all over their property. Um, and allegedly threatened them. Uh, they had been previously charged with some weapons violations. Uh, the wife took a lot of heat for, and the husband, for very poor um, weapons handling. But, you know, given the situation, given them, their experience, I, I, I don't rag on them too much. This is another one we did. A... Uh, you know, I mean, granted, it's not some of the best trigger control i've ever seen right but they didn't shoot anybody <laughs> at the end of the day is you shouldn't be especially is the most important you know what i mean in this scenario I mean, so i don't have an issue with the husband i have an issue with the wife enunciating and you know making her point with the gun that that took it a little too far for me um but no they i don't i don't fault them for being in that for taking the actions they took in that situation um yeah i mean if, if if they could go back i'm sure she would take some firearms training in the past if she could because my understanding was that was like the first time she'd ever picked up a gun she did not know what she was doing but she was scared for her life apparently they, know, they going got back she would probably be a little more capable they're getting some training a uh, local st louis either range or company is giving them some free training, which yeah. is sorely needed. Uh, so they... They got it caught in a situation that she apparently didn't think would happen. And she wasn't ready for it. You know, so could yeah. she have reacted differently? Yeah, but as AJ says, she did manage to not pull the trigger. Well, and there's some... That, that's where that's why we're talking this story. Uh They've been charged with tampering with evidence now, specifically for that pistol that she was carrying. They now are saying that what they're being charged with is that they, they disabled it after the incident before turning it into police custody, which if you remember a little while back, there was the reports that the DA had ordered it disassembled and reassembled in a working order. This pistol had been part of a, a court evidence uh, for a previous case they had so now they're trying to pin them with tampering with evidence which I, I don't know how they're gonna prove that though how would they know it was working or not working exactly beforehand well they knew it wasn't working when it came into police custody but how do you prove it um this whole story kind of whole story reeks yeah, one. I mean, if you're going after tampering with evidence, I mean, we're reaching for something over, mm -hmm. you know, what the issue was at face value. You know, you know there's, there's, there's an element, though, of, of, of like watching a fictional story here where you have to suspend disbelief because this just is so far from logical and rational based on what we know. But yeah, they're apparently looking through the law books and finding anything they think they can charge them with and seeing if they can get it to stick. Yeah, I mean, the, the whole story is beginning to get a little more interesting. You know, um, Mark and Patricia were at the Republican National Convention, yet they're very liberal. They are very... Um, they seem to be taking some of the attention, you know. Now they're handing out, like, autographed photos and stuff like that so 
Everybody wants their 15 minutes. <laughs> well, Good they've got money, but, you know, they may need to start saving for a defense fund here. I feel like they know some people, probably. I don't know. It's a weird story. Uh, when it first came out, I and the charges first came out, like, I still think it's a bit of morality policing, you know, appeasing the mob. And you just cannot, you can't cave to the mob. Like blackmail, they just keep coming back for more. All right, ammunition. You know, I was joking when I wrote it up, but I wrote, "Do you really need that kidney?" I had a buddy who sent a picture to me that I sent to you guys uh, last week. Fifty rounds of, I believe it was like American Eagle. You know, just full metal jacket. Yep, it was American Eagle. Nine millimeter, hundred twenty four grain, thirty five ninety nine. As 71 cents a round on 9mm. Right, and that's, that's three and a half times what it was six, eight months ago. More than that. <laughs> AJ, uh, we didn't People hear thought I was crazy. Thing. There we go. Okay. Uh, we still People do. thought I was crazy. Nope. And we we saw right. an exclamation, but we didn't right. hear one. Hmm. I mean, I took a lot of crap for reloading 9mm, and uh, I'm feeling pretty good about that decision now. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, you, you seem to be the one who foresaw the future. Uh, no, I just I, I got a good deal on a reloader that came with a 9mm die set. <laughs> I don't know. So works, man. Some places are doing... Uh, you know, two boxes per customer, five boxes per customer. I kind of want to scream at people and stay, say stop buying 20, 30 boxes of ammo, but... Or, you know, scream at them and say you should have been more prepared and had more than one box of freaking ammo a year ago. All I'm saying is I'm glad I... I wouldn't use the word stockpile, because my amount of ammunition... For personal use is not a stockpile. California would disagree. They don't count. <laughs> but if I wasn't a person that kept a fair amount of ammunition on hand, and I wasn't a person that trained very often, we would get into the scenario now where I wanted to, and you would struggle right now. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is part of the reason why people buy so much is they're like, well, I haven't touched my gun in five months, a year, five years, right? I should probably practice a little. God knows when I practice with a single gun, I mean, multiple boxes, no problem. I mean, I'm not practicing 20 rounds or 50 rounds. I mean, I'll bring a 250 brick for each weapon I bring easily, you know? And I mean, it doesn't surprise me. I mean, it sucks now that it's $35 a box. You can be in for $100 for a couple of boxes, but I mean, on the flip side, if you haven't touched your gun in a while, I mean, I have the luxury of not having to practice right now, right? Mm -hmm. I'm confident in my skill. I don't need to practice right now. There's not, not everybody out there is that confident and has the ammunition to do that. Right. It sucks. So, I mean, I transitioned to a new carry gun not long ago. I mean, I've, I've bitched about it on this numerous times about like the holsters and whatnot, but I shot 200 rounds. Uh, and that was what, a month and a half ago, and it, that was before they was expensive as it now as it is now, and that hurt. Two hundred rounds hurt. I mean, I'm in a similar boat. I, I have, I have, I have my supply. I'm not in concern, but I don't. Yeah, I mean, I primar I primarily shoot two calibers, twenty two and nine, and. I had gotten a couple of deals on some relatively large orders of 22 a couple of years ago. So, you know, my ratio of ammunition is much more weighted toward the 22. I'm not in danger of running out of nine, but I've changed what I practice. You know, I'm, I'm shooting 80% 22 now and 20% uh, nine millimeter when it maybe was, you know, a third to a half 22 before just to, to, you know, burn through what I have more evenly to make sure that I don't run out. Yeah. I mean, 
it's out there. The ammunition's out there. You can get your hands on it. I'd love to say it's going to come back down, but I've just been telling people that this is the new normal. This is what it is. Uh, you know, maybe... I don't know. I don't see it coming back down anytime soon. Well, and, and, and I know part of the problem, too, is that a lot of new gun owners don't think they need to really have any ammunition on hand. It's, it's been a while, but I took a call, I don't know, a year ago from someone who had taken their class with another one of our instructors, and she misunderstood what he had meant when she bought ammunition. And so she was, she was asking about having bought a box of full metal jacket ammunition. And I said, no, you wanted hollow points for your carry ammunition. She said, well, okay, well, I'll take the full metal jacket back. I'm like, no. You go to the range and you practice with those. You don't take them back. Returned ammunition. I mean, have you guys ever returned ammunition? Um, but she didn't see any reason that she needed to have any ammunition on hand other than what was left over from the box that she needed to fill the gun to carry it. And I think that's common. It just doesn't dawn on people that you need to have some ammunition around so that you can go practice. I was going to say, I, I have ammunition in calibers that I don't have guns for anymore. <laughs> I got 22 Win Mag. I do not have a 22 Win Mag. I, I 38 Special. I mean, I, yeah, I, it's not where there's a lot of new gun owners or there's a lot of people who don't, who just think it's cool to, hey, not cool, but grab the gun, you know, take my permit to carry, throw it up in the closet for you know, that one time I may need it because I'll be able to get it in time, right? Won't be an issue, I'll get it. That's a large part of the, the firearms population, population uh, firearms owners population, is people that they don't train, they don't stockpile, they they don't plan for a rainy day. You know, I, I think... Yeah, it, it isn't that they're planning to fail, but they are failing to plan. And that does need to be part of your thought process, part of, of your action plan if you want to carry a gun, is you do need to build practice. And that's that's part of what we wanted to dedicate this show to with some of the things that we do to practice. All right. For, for just pure enjoyment, I hopped on Ammo Seek and, and typed in 9mm. And uh, 50 bucks of Wolf. Mill spec, spec, 115 grain FMJ with a lacquer, of course, because it's wolf. 50... Yeah, I mean, we're talking low end ammunition. <laughs> yeah, 51.9 cents around for wolf ammo. So 20, 25 bucks a box, 26 bucks a box for yeah. the lowest quality ammunition I have seen on a range. Yeah, that's... When you used to be able to buy mid-grade stuff for about 20 cents a round if you, if you just looked a little bit carefully. I mean, you couldn't go to Gander Mountain and get it for that price. But That was... I feel like I was getting it for 15 cents a round uh, before. Because I priced out what I could reload per round at versus what I was, I was purchasing at. And if you were buying in... If you're buying in bulk, you were, you're getting 15, 17 cents around. Yeah, I mean, I was talking about going to the store and buying a box. Yeah. You know, so definitely with some effort, I'm sure you came in well below that. But, mm -hmm. you know. Well, yeah, I, I had to justify reloading 9mm. Uh, so, man, I wonder what the ranges are charging for ammo right now to non-members. That's got to be outrageous. Well, and that's, that's one of the problems, too, is you go to a range... And you can see that business is down. I was at Maple Grove on Saturday, and at noon, 1 o'clock, we darn near, Jason and I were, were there working through students, and we darn near had the range to ourselves. And I think part of the problem is people can't come and practice because they don't have ammunition or they can't afford that on top of the range fees. And that's not a good thing. Yeah. You don't need any of these ranges to fold. You know the other thing I've been seeing? I, I just noticed a comment. You know, it, it's FMJ is for range only. 100% FMJ is practice. Full metal jacket. Um, 
I've seen a lot of people showing up, and the only thing they have is the overpriced hollow points they got, you know, and that's all they have to shoot. And I'm just like, right now, if I'm hurting, I'm gonna carry FMJs and I'm gonna range shoot my hollow points. I'm gonna do what I got. I'm gonna do me. Yeah. Something in that gun is better than nothing in that gun. You know what I mean? Hundred uh, percent. If you don't have to, though, don't don't waste your hollow points. Agreed. That, that's kind of the, the the point I'm getting at is, if you got any other option, don't don't waste those hollow points. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how much of a joke it was, but I saw somebody post a picture of a box of fifty of federal HSTs. I don't know about you guys, but that's that's what I carry is federal HST. That's I think probably you know, one of the very most common carried uh, uh, brands and, and makes of ammunition. And it had been marked to $119.99. Oh, my God. So it was, it right was two, 240 around. You know, it's kind of that idea of that, that joke about, you know, I, uh, I got robbed and I, I uh, you know, filled the guy with the magazine full of bullets and like realized, you know, it would have been cheaper to just hand over the wallet. Right. I told you, uh, you don't need that kidney, Jim. It's fine. Just, <laughs> it's okay. All right. Now you got me. So I, I carry a uh, spirit gold dot. And if I, if I care, if I'm carrying the LCP two, I carry gold dots in 380. Yeah. That's good ammunition as well. All right, I'm looking. Those would be here. my two top choices: HSTs and gold dot. Yeah, I'm not finding anything actually available. So, since it's all back order or out of stock, prices haven't been updated. Because I promise you, it's more than uh, eighty cents around. Man, that's just. I, I want to make a comment. There was a comment on the Facebook about um, rotating your carry ammo, uh, and one of the one of the ladies on here she mentioned that she rotates hers every three months, and I fully encourage this practice. Uh, three months might be a little excessive, um, especially right now with ammo prices and uh, limited availability. Um, but definitely, I mean, I'm on the every year uh, kind of rotation some people are every six months some people are you know everybody's different but uh i we didn't talk about that i thought i'd point it out because it was a very good comment about rotating your carry ammo on a regular basis so when you say rotate you're not talking about taking it out and replacing it with something else you're talking about shooting I'm talking about expelling what you have and replacing it with new stuff yeah what i do is i just whatever gun goes to the range with me those get fired and then I reload with fresh stuff there. Yeah, what, what people sometimes don't take into account is carrying a gun is about the worst thing you can do for it from the standpoint of keeping it clean. Right. So, yeah, you carry a gun for a couple of months and the lint and dirt and crap that could be in there around your ammunition, yeah, you want to make sure that stuff does stay in good shape. So, I, uh, I pocket carry my LCP2 a lot. And uh, I have it sitting here next to me. So I just pulled the rounds out of the magazine because I run into a, I run into an issue where I get a lot of bullet setback into the casing with the LCP2. So I absolutely uh, rotate, use the uh, LCP ammo, uh, carry ammo far more frequently because I have a setback issue with this firearm. I don't know exactly what it is. Uh, about this gun, but I don't have that same setback in like my SIG P365, so I I use the carry ammo more frequently in the LCP than I do like the SIG. That's going to sit there for six, seven months. Yeah, you want to explain what setback is and, and, and what the process is that you're going through to get it? Yeah, absolutely. So, I practice with my guns, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit here. I practice dry fire, I practice loading a lot, um, and so I'm unloading my magazine or my my firearm frequently so that I can practice with snap caps or just dry fire. Uh, and so what'll happen is the bullets, what'll happen is the actual jacketed hollow point will start to sit lower in the case. Uh, and that can cause the round to under or overperform. 
Uh, so what I'll do is I'll take them, you know, I always carry the same ones. I'll set them side by side, and in fact, this one right here, I can see, and, and you won't be able to see this through my camera, I can actually see it's about three or four millimeters. This one is shorter, right? Overall length on this one is shorter than this one. So it's the bullet has just set down into the casing. And that just yeah, comes from unloading, loading, carrying. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a function of chambering the rounds. That's where it happens. And it's, it's one of those things where if you are somebody who frequently takes the round out of the chamber and then puts a round back in, you know, investing in, a, in an inexpensive micrometer isn't necessarily a bad idea because when you start to see that you've lost a millimeter or two, it's worth thinking about just firing that one and moving on and not leaving it in the gun anymore because they can perform differently and not in a good way if you get enough setback there. So when you start to see that there's some setback, that one kind of needs to be retired from carry duty. Yep, exactly. Um, yeah, it's funny you say that. I mean, yeah, I have my micrometer sitting right here. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it's, uh, you know, the other thing is uh, you can I'm see. I'm going to make a comment not to pick on Shane because I, I have no idea the background of this ammunition. It is also more likely to happen on shells that are reused and reloaded factory round again yeah judging because i know nothing about what you have i'm just saying in general it is more likely yeah for reused casings yeah yeah because a reused casing is going to tend to have expanded a bit right. but yeah shane and i are definitely in the same boat where reloading is okay for practice but we will only carry factory loaded defensive rounds 100 percent uh yeah i i I, I, I'm confident in my reloading ability, um, and I'm confident in my firearms ability to handle any issues I may have in that reloading ability, but I'm not going to put my life on the line with my reloaded rounds. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting, you know, uh, I think we talked a while back, just another thing to touch, um, as, as I'm looking at these, uh, the rounds do tarnish, as Jim was saying. Carrying uh, is a—it's a horrible environment for your gun and for the rounds. Um, it's picking up sweat and moisture, temperature changes, so it's you know condensating. Um, your rounds will tarnish over time. That's not too much of a concern. But that's also why a lot of your carry ammo is nickel-plated brass, and it's just to help prevent corrosion and uh, drag coefficiency. It makes the metal's a little more smooth uh, on the loading into the chamber of the feed uh, ramp. So, yeah, and that's just part of why it's more expensive. the The tolerances in the factory are a little tighter to make sure that it's more likely to go bang instead of click because it has to. So, you know, you can you can look at at, at your defensive ammunition and say, "Geez, I hate to pay the difference in price," but there's a good reason for that difference in price. Yeah, absolutely. Not that the prices right now are reasonable, but, you know, in general speak. They are what they are. Uh, we see this normally around election times. We had some more, we had some things that preempted election this year, right? Um, hmm. Yeah, I, I'm just doing a quick research. Uh, there was another comment, if talking about the new USCCA grip. Have you guys heard of a new grip being trained on by USCCA? Or are we still talking about thumbs on thumb on thumb forward? This is this is news to me. Yeah. I'm not aware of something like this. Yeah. I, I, I While think... you guys were talking, I saw that, and I tried Googling it quick, and I don't know. Same thing. Let's see what she's talking about. Maybe Amy can send this to us and we can do a little research. Absolutely. Yeah, by, by all means, send us a link or something like that so we can take a look. Yeah, I think it, I, I found a quick article. The short answer is no, none of us <laughs> Correct. <laughs> uh, I, I suspect it's still probably just the thumb over thumb, f thumbs forward along the, the slide, but uh, hopefully, yeah, she'll shoot us a link and we can look into it. All right. Yeah, I mean, grip, grip wasn't one of those things we had planned to talk about. But, yeah, I mean, one of the things that I, I tell students is make sure that you don't have a grip that's so complicated that your 
you know, strong hand, support hand, and then you're over here fiddling for, you know, which thumbs. You want to be able to grab that gun up, support hand, and fire. If big bad guy is coming at you, wasting time fiddling with a complicated grip is no bueno. I agree, and grip is important. I think it becomes less important over time, though. Well, I think it's just a case of after a while you start developing a good grip, and then I don't like the term muscle memory because muscles don't have memory, you know, neuromuscular memory where you just know what that feels like, and so that's naturally what you do. It's just like how we've trained ourselves not to put the finger on the trigger when we pick it up. We've developed that pathway so that that's how we do it. And so we don't have to think anymore about picking it up. You just pick it up and the finger's on the frame. That's just the way we do it. So, you know, we just go for that grip every time because, geez, how many tens, if not hundreds of thousands of times have we done it? All right. So she's... That's why I'm a big one, you know, for, for that whole idea of practice makes perfect is, is not a good statement. Perfect practice makes perfect. If you practice wrong, you will perform wrong. So you have to make sure your practice is consistent with how you want to perform. All right, so she's saying it is a grip that has the left index finger equal with the right, but on the frame. We'll look into it. Um, I've not heard that. It seems foreign to me, just trying to work it out here. But um, yeah, we'll look into it. And I mean, it. At face value, if it's as simple as that, I don't see yeah. any benefit. Right? Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna definitely have to read something about. Gee, why is that? Matt, what's the benefit? You know, why why is that a good idea? What's what's the benefit here? We'll look into it, and we'll definitely um, we'll cover it next show. That's what I was gonna say. <laughs> you you got to come back in two weeks to figure out what we think of it. Um, but I mean, you know, USCCA is not exactly a, a slouch organization, so. I mean, if there is something that they are out there um, proffering, I suspect they have a good reason behind it. Yeah, you tell me James Yeager came up with it. I'm like, yeah, USCCA? Like, oh, well, I'm going to need to have to check that out. You know, Jim, you sent me and AJ a James Yeager video, and I tried to watch it, and I just I couldn't get to the point, to the part that you wanted me to watch. I got tired of getting yelled at through the video. Yeah, he's... He's unique. Uh, yeah. And and not necessarily in a good way. But uh, you know, he does he does have a place, but I don't think it's in the civilian training market like where we are. No. I think I think he should be sticking to training law enforcement personnel. That's his background, that's what he knows. Didn't he get booted off YouTube? Like he did. Twice and then perfect. At least, I would say at least once. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was once, and I think they brought him back. Like, We're working on it too. He's got value added stuff, but they had a, a training program he was running at his place where um, his instructors were, were downrange and students were putting targets on, uh, fire on targets right next to him, the instructors, and it just kind of goes against what we teach in the civilian market it's not that that might be a, a it's kind of feels like a russian training tactic um, but yeah it's... well i mean let, let, let's go extreme you know you watch a swat team train or the navy seals train to take out a building and i mean they are putting rounds down range while their personnel are down range 100%. because they have orchestrated this carefully enough to know that they are they're you know assigned certain areas and that you can only shoot in your area because you know somebody else is, is going to be adjacent to that area but i mean that is not civilian defensive shooting no 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 not at, not all. at all just think about the liability on that one uh, <laughs> I, mean, I, 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 should really I really don't want to <laughs> Oh, there's another comment. Practice makes permanent. I would say practice makes performance. Yeah, I, I like practice makes performance um, just because permanent makes it sound like you can't change. But I certainly understand the statement because, yeah, practice doesn't make perfect. Mm -hmm. But practice can definitely make what you do without thinking, you know, the, the same thing. And, and that can potentially be wrong. So, practice. 
Jim, what are you While doing? While we were sitting here, good news, guys. Yeah. While we were sitting here, you know, being a gun guy, I kind of got stuff all over, and I just found half a box of nine millimeters. So if anybody's got twenty bucks, <laughs> they want it. Whoa, 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 whoa! Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> whoa! Look, it's supply and demand. I think we're a little higher than twenty. Thirty? Yeah, I'd start at thirty. Thirty dollars. All right, I got half a box. I am confident I bought it this year. Um, didn't know it was there. What What are we doing on 380? I got a full 50. Ooh. <laughs> Anyways, I feel like I just won pull tabs or something. Like, hey, that's free money right there. I, I I'm not gonna lie. I did a rough count of all of my nine millimeter after I sent you guys that picture. Just to see how much it was worth. And what kind of value you're holding on to? <laughs> yeah. um, and I mean, I was pleasantly surprised. It, uh, yeah, yeah it, it was a good number. <laughs> hey, you got to call your, your homeowner's insurance company and say, you know, the value of my possessions has gone up significantly here. We need to rethink my power. I mean, you know, I don't want to get into how much ammo I have, but <laughs> it, it moved the... It significantly moved the asset number. Oh, uh, you know. Okay, so we're saying practice meets makes uh, performance, or, or you know, practice makes permanent. Jim, what are you doing to practice right now? Aside from from shooting as much twenty two as as goes unnoticed. Well, one of the one of the things that I was I was going to say is just that whole Fair idea not. of. You can come up with your own practice program, your own practice routine, but just keep in mind what is the goal that you have for your your practice, you know, and, and is what you're doing consistent with it. A lot of times we'll get that question on the range from a student, you know, should I have both eyes open or is it okay to close one eye? And again, you've got to look at, well, what is it you're trying to do? Because if you're watching a long-distance competitive shooter in any kind of uh, you know, sanctioned event, they've probably got uh, safety glasses where one lens is opaque so that they can completely ignore that information because it is easier to shoot with only your dominant eye opening. But if bad guy is over here coming at you and you got this eye closed, well, you've got a problem. So again, when you're practicing, what is it that you're trying to practice for? Well, if you're practicing for defensive shooting, you want to have both eyes open so that you can assess what's going on around you to the greatest degree and make sure that you don't miss a threat. So that's the first thing I try to, 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 to reinforce is just make sure that you understand how it is you want this practice to help you and make sure that it's consistent with it. But I, I think the, the biggest thing that I was kind of looking for in, in what we were talking about tonight is and we have that slide in the PowerPoint where we talk about, you know, just a small version of some of those other things that you need to take into account. Uh, low light techniques, flashlight techniques, one hand shooting in case one of your arms is injured, be it your strong side or your, your weak side. Um, winter clothing, gloves, can you shoot with gloves on, things like that, drawing from the holster. I mean, you can't do that kind of stuff at the range, at no. least not at most ranges. No. So you've got to come up with some sort of plan for how to augment that. Shane, you, you've you got a plan for how you practice your draw and your and your firing technique. I don't do that as much, but uh, I'm a big one for, uh, you know, dry firing in the, the, the living room where I've got the gun and I'm, I'm you know, marking the targets on TV because I think there's some merit in trying to track a moving target like that. And then again, that idea of dry firing where the gun stays completely silent. But uh, at the range, one of the things that, that I started doing after that White Settlement Church shooting was I looked at the fact that Jack Wilson had had to take a headshot at 50 feet through a crowd. And I thought, okay, realistically, I should never have to shoot. But if I do, the odds are it's going to be a bigger target and a closer distance than that. But let's, let's call this the worst-case scenario, and can I do it? So I set the target down at 60 feet. And I took the gun that I was carrying, and then I happened to have the same gun that the Jack Wilson uses, only just in a different caliber. He has a 357 SIG. I have a 9mm. But I was just using the two guns just, just as a comparison. And it was literally, because you can't draw from a holster, it was just you know down from the table, up, get a sight picture, and then fire as quickly as I could. And you know each, each magazine held 15 rounds, so it was 15 shots. 
and with the uh, with the gun that I'd been carrying, I hit the target twice. You know, this is just a, a, a you know eight inch circle on an eight and a half by eleven piece of paper. So it's not a huge target, but I mean, it was a headshot at fifty feet, right? With the the gun, the same gun that, that Jack uses, I made the shot nine of fifteen times. So you know, AJ talks about changing the gun that you carry being a tough decision. It sure didn't seem like a tough decision after that. If if I can make that shot two of fifteen times with one gun and nine of fifteen times with, with the other gun. I have to change. Yeah. Yeah. It, it just, that, Might be that, an easy decision when yeah. you have another gun to fall back Yeah, it, it, it's not a hard, it's, it's not an it's easy tougher. thing to do because there's a lot of changes in your practice that have to go along with it, but it was an easy decision to make that I have to switch. I owe it to society to carry the gun that I'm most accurate using, and it just surprised me because that's a double-action, single-action gun, and I fired every one of those 15 shots double-action. The other was a striker-fired gun. They're the same size, the same barrel length, the same magazine capacity. I mean, they're basically the same gun, just one's all steel and double-action, single-action. The other one's a polymer. Striker-fired. So I just assumed that the polymer gun would have a little bit of an advantage because the trigger will, trigger pull would be smoother and shorter. Uh, no. And, and with such a dramatic distance, just such a dramatic difference, well, I, I, I have to change. I, I have to. There's, there's no way I can continue doing what I'm doing knowing what I now know. Understandable. Uh, I, I am not at... I'm still working on... I, I, know, I knew what my carry gun, what I wanted, right? I'm still working on my draw. I'm still working on, on my trigger pull. That 365 shoots different. The trigger is different um, than the shield I carried for three years previously um you know my practice i do a similar thing when when it's just me at home or if i'm just in the office here and i got the tv on back there I'll, I'll dry fire practice i'll i'll track targets the other thing i like to do is to go into to the garage i took one of our targets i taped it up on the garage door i stand at the back of the garage and i do my 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 draw and i have a, a three-step draw that um that I work through as, as frequently as I can. I try to do that 50-ish times a week. Um, I should maybe be doing it a little more, or at least instead of doing it all one night, I should maybe spread that out to a few different nights. But it, it's all dry fire practice. It's I do a little bit of malfunction clearing, you know, mag changes, but um, right now it's all just still learning the draw on that P365. I've discovered I have a little bit different um, a little bit more difficulty how I draw it out uh, from appendix than I well, there's, there's less handle to grab I don't have any yeah. problem understanding that it would be different and, and harder and the, the the holster I got it sits a little lower I had a black rhino holster for my shield this one's a tier one I wanted to try something different that was highly recommended it took me a while to get comfortable with that tier one I think I told you guys I hated it um, but it's what I have and it costs a lot of money, uh, but I've gotten used to it. I've gotten comfortable. I, you know, I'm now I'm at a point where I am wearing it, you know, all day, uh, and it, it's not an issue, uh, but it's, it's just practice, practice, practice. It's, you know, I, before I was shooting a lot more, I'm, I'm not shooting now much to AJ's point. I, I, I don't need to shoot, um. I'd like to shoot, but I don't yeah, you, need to. I mean, to. you can work on the other things that go into carrying rather than target practice, mm -hmm. right? Because although it is a diminishable skill, you and I probably have more time in it than the average citizen does. Mm -hmm. We have the luxury of not having to do that right now. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Still, I'd like to be shooting. Uh, have you guys ever heard of laser hit training? Uh, yeah, uh, I've heard mixed reviews. Yeah, I'm I'm interested. Uh, I saw I saw a good video on Reddit the other the weekend. Um, I'm interested in it. I've also heard a lot of people are doing airsoft right now as a uh, as an alternative. You can get some higher quality airsoft guns than maybe you could previously 5, 10, 15 years ago. So some people have resorted to doing that because, I mean, it still fits your same holster. It at least has a similar trigger pull. 
I don't know if I don't know if that's value added from a from a carry standpoint. Point. I, I would say in this scenario, I would not use that as a direct replacement for shooting practice. Obviously, correct for a, a myriad of reasons. But those other things, drawing from holster, um, carrying in different positions. I mean, I, there's other things you can do with that. Yep. Clone, dummy, airsoft, whatever you want, whatever the option hey, is. They're cheaper than cert guns, too. Um, right. I mean, no, there's no way around it. You can't completely replace the feeling and the noise and the concussion that goes along with firing your hollow point ammunition, especially if you're firing something like a plus P. But, you know, you can't do that in the garage. You can't do that in the backyard. You can't do that in the basement. So when you can't make it to the range, you've got to find the next best thing. Jim, you have the wrong uh, attitude. You can do anything once. <laughs> I just wouldn't recommend it. It's kind of like that you can do anything on your last day at work. <laughs> Only two weeks left. <laughs> Oh, all right, guys. We got an hour in. I know it went quick tonight. It went really well, yeah, well. we just we got started on ammo, and that conversation took a, a lot longer than I thought we would. So we can certainly talk about uh, you know some more details of practice next time. Absolutely. Uh, I might end up. I don't know. I, I want to get to a point. I'm gonna share it. I've uh, my 3D printed <laughs> frame. It's got rails in it now. <laughs> I'm slowly buying parts and I'm slowly building a Glock. <laughs> uh, but I just wanted to show it off once. Um, no, I think we should call it a show. And uh, we'll be back in two weeks. Well, uh, thanks everybody for joining. Thanks for the comments. Uh, as always, we'll have this up on our YouTube page tomorrow. And look for a podcast version soon. All right. Thanks, everybody. Have a good night. Thank you. Take care.